All right. What do we got behind me? Everybody's laughing at Oh, that's nice. So, summer camp 2023, the theme was love is. Uh, we took, just, just a little bit of statistics, we took 34 campers and 12 adult leaders, which is great. Um, we were, it was a lot of fun. We did, we did some fun stuff. It's, we did laser tag and we went to the beach and did some cool things. And, uh, but I don't run the camps for fun. The fun is supplementary because they're not always fun for me. It's a lot of work. Um, no, but in, in prepping for the camp, I felt, I felt like God was drawing me to this, this reality of, of love is and thinking about 1 John 4 where this is how we know what love is because the, the reality is that love is a hijacked term. It carries whatever meaning you want it to have so long as it's not the Bible one. And we wanted to reinforce what the Bible says about what love is or who love is so that the foundation of these young people's lives is built on the reality that God is what defines love. Who he is is what defines love. How he feels about you defines love. And what does love look like? Because the world says that love is about getting what you want. Love is love, which means nothing. And, and we had Dan come and speak on that idea, and he got quite fired up. You guys will remember. He got really, really quite cross with that. <laughs> the idea that love is love is such a rubbish term. When we look at the beauty of the cross and the wonder of Jesus, and we go, that is love. To then turn around and go, love is whatever makes you feel good. That, if you want to put it in terms of value, it's like holding up a million dollars and then going, yes, but love is this one cent over here. It's like, no, you're missing it. You're totally missing it. And that was a desire that, in prepping for the camp that I had for these guys, that they would grasp that to the depths of their being because they're, they're existing in a society where love is love is, is the catchphrase and the catch-all and I don't want them to become wishy-washy with it. So when we say Jesus loves you, that means something different to every single person. What we want them to think is Jesus loves me, that means it's the cross, it means it was death, it means it was self-sacrifice for my sake and I'm called to be like him. So we had three teaching sessions. Dan got up and spoke about, a bit about this worldview stuff. Dan, for those who don't know, Dan used to be part of the team. And then six months ago, he stepped out, and, or at least he tried to. And um, he put most of his effort into the young adults. But uh, Dan was sort of this phantom that just kept appearing at camp. He came the first morning, and then he went home. Then he came back the first night, then he went home. Then he reappeared on Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> he was this uh, phantom leader that was around. It was great to have him, but uh, that shows you just how much he enjoys camp. Um, and look, we had those, those three teaching sessions. We also had a, a, just a wonderful sort of worship and response time on Wednesday afternoon where we just, began, just as a group singing and then just going, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this moment? And we had, a, we had a bit of a ministry time, invited kids to, to, to receive prayer for some things that we felt like God was speaking. 
And it was a really powerful time for a number of the kids. They had strong encounters with the Lord in that moment. And it was, it was, a, uh, it was, a, bit, um, it was a bit rough because nobody wanted to be there at the time. We were all super tired. We'd had some dramas the first night. We had some, some excited children who were up until 4.30 in the morning. Fortunately, I didn't realize that until 4.30 in the morning. But, so then we, but even that in itself was a great opportunity to sit with this group of 34 students and go, you know what? This is what love looks like in community. And to walk them through accepting responsibility for poor choices, accepting the consequences, which was dishes for the rest of the camp, but also to go through and stand in front of people and go, yes, I'm in community with you, and so I have wronged different people because I woke up others. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And then as, a, as, a, as the rest of the group stood up and said, do you remember what we said, guys? Yes, I forgive you as Christ has forgiven me. And so we got to model what love looks like in the process of forgiveness because humans are broken. We know this. And I, I don't know how often, I mean, I'm not in your houses. I'm sure there's plenty of opportunities to express forgiveness. But for some of these kids, they've probably never gone through that process of owning, confessing, accepting the consequences and asking for forgiveness. And then the other side of that is going, not just it's okay, but going, I forgive you as Christ has forgiven me. Because the issue of forgiveness is linked to salvation. Jesus makes that really clear. We had, we had about 90 minutes of testimonies on the final morning. Kids getting up to share. We also had a, another ministry time there because we felt like the Lord was highlighting a couple of key themes that we were going to pray into. And one of them was healing. And we, we're, I, I feel like we're going to do that this morning. We're going to pray into healing a little bit. And the other one was praying that our stone hearts would be... The, the, the picture was a stone heart being struck by a hammer and the flesh being exposed. We begin to pray into that as well, that our stone hearts would be replaced with hearts of flesh under the fire and the love of God. And each camp has its own sort of unique flavor. And we've had some loud camps. And I, what I mean by that is like loud, obvious presence of God moments. Um, a few years ago, if you were around, you heard about that one. And um, this one was more of a silent but deep work. It was the breaking of lies in, in a real gentle way. The Holy Spirit just coming in and going, here. It wasn't these explosions of the glory of God. But different kids during testimonies were like, I just felt like this cloud just whoosh while I was being prayed for. It's like, yes, God, you're good. I can't always see it. As the camp coordinator, I'm always like, where's the explosions? And I woke up Thursday morning and I was feeling really discouraged. It had been a, a couple of things. And it was, it was definitely a spiritual attack. Just be like, get discouraged. And I shared it with the leadership team. And I, I said, can you please encourage me with some testimonies from camp? And they did. I had this conversation. I had this conversation. I saw this. I'm so encouraged by this person. It's like, oh, okay. And then we went into a testimony time. 90 minutes. The kids getting up and going, here, this. We're praying for this. It's like... Oh, it was so encouraging. Some of the key themes throughout camp, we had this thing of love is, but we talked about 
The greatest motivators in life are love and fear. And we want to be motivated by love, not fear. And so we need the love of God to drive out that fear. We talked about breaking our friendship with fear or our agreement with fear. For those who were, uh, you know, just real practically in, in a time of worship, are you going to put your hands out or not? What if they think I'm weird? Who cares? Break your agreement with fear in that moment. Go, yes, you know what? I want God more than I want to be afraid. So we leaned into that. Um, yep, love and forgiveness. Another thing that came up through, through something that Dan brought was um, praying parents. Do you want to talk about that or just... Uh, really quickly, the story was I was listening to a podcast. In the podcast, a guy goes into a very, very secular environment, starts praying, Holy Spirit breaks out, a bunch of stuff starts happening. He sees a guy who is stuck to the wall, can't leave, can't come, can't do anything. He's just stuck there and his, his girlfriend's holding his hand trying to help him and he calls out and he says, you, um, what's your name? And he says, Joshua. And the guy gets a word of knowledge and he goes, yes, because your parents dedicated you when you were a child to the Lord. And... Um, in that moment, the, the girl who's holding his hand launches, grabs him by the ankles and screams out, please save my boyfriend. Crazy story. The guy ends up getting saved and a whole bunch of other stuff happens. But in that moment, the Lord started to speak to me and said, there are parents who have been praying for their children, like that girlfriend interceding for her boyfriend, like they're holding onto their ankles and saying, Jesus, please save my child. And so I led us in a time of, um, it's, it's a little bit hard to explain, but basically it was that moment of going, parents have been praying for you and some of you know you have praying parents and they have been crying out for you to know God, to love God, to make good choices, to walk in the light, to walk in his life. And the Lord wants to release his power in the room as an answer to those prayers. And so we, we took a moment and just waited on the Lord and the, the power of God filled the room and, and kind of all sorts of stuff started to happen. Um, but it was just a very, very special moment. So I want to encourage you parents who are praying that even in the middle of the camp where your children are actually away from you, the Lord hears your prayers. And as it was in the Exodus where he heard the cries of the people and responded and brought freedom, so the Lord is hearing the cries of the parents and responding with freedom for the children. Yeah, so that, was a, that was a very powerful moment. We got kids to stand. And um, yeah, I, I remember standing in the front of the room just going, God, please break in and answer the prayers of these parents who are crying out. Break in with power, break in with revelation. Because you are the God who hears every single prayer and sees every single tear. And we're asking for that deposit. And there's going to be some people getting up to do testimonies in just a moment. And, and, and in one of the testimonies that we had, it was, it was the, the evidence of that at work. And th- this, this particular person has been on a number of camps. And we've just seen the power of God continue to open them up and begin to bring them to life and grow them over a number of camps. And that's, that's not about camp. It's more about actually the parents. And, and camp is just that environment. And I get to sit and plan this thing and sort of not necessarily reap the benefits, but, you know, I, we get to see it happen, the labor of parents. I just get to be there when it happens sometimes. And it's a wonderful thing. So I, I'm going to invite some people up. So... Uh, Samantha, 
Lucy, Abigail, Hannah. Let's do those four to start with. Let's go. Come here, Samantha. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to go first. Um, So I'm Samantha, as hopefully most of you know. Um, I'm also, most of you know that I graduated from school this year. So um, this camp was like my last official one as an attendee or camper. Um, Because of this, I had really high expectations of what I wanted to see God do at camp. I'd seen him do miracles in our previous camps, and I had seen the Spirit move in many different ways in other areas as well. Um, And on top of this, there were various leaders and youth, including myself, who were praying for this camp like months in advance, like during Sacred Assembly. Um, And sadly, not sadly, but I didn't have the big God moment that I was hoping for. Like Nathan said, I didn't have the loud moment, but instead God met me in a different way. Um, I've always had a difficult time, like, hearing God. I've always been afraid that it was my own thoughts or that um, I was feeling, like, what I was feeling was just made up in my head. But on this camp, I had many moments where God was speaking to me, and it wasn't in a loud shout, but it was in the back of my mind, and it was quiet and peaceful. In one worship session, we had a time of speaking on the mic, if God had given us any impressions. And during the worship time, God had been speaking to me about this song lyric that I had listened to previously in the week, during the day, um, that I wanted to share with the group. Um, It was just quietly rolling over my mind as worship was taking place, so I got up and shared it. Another time, on a morning, I was reading 1 John 4, because we had a worship with the word and I hadn't prepared previously. Sorry, Nathan. But um, um, I was just... I was reading it, and I just started silently sobbing in my bed, trying not to let the other girls in my dorm hear me as I was crying. But um, God was just washing over me, like showing me his love, and I was feeling it and crying. (laughs) Um, There are many moments like this as well. And there was one other moment where um, I was getting prayed for healing, um, for this like reoccurring pain that I get my lower back from now and then, um, and that I would also be free from anxiety. Um, and in that prayer time, I didn't get the big healing that I was hoping for, but I was up, um, I was up the front for like 20 minutes while God was just talking to me, um, about a lot of things about my identity. And he was telling me about the promises he's made for me and for my family and that the good work that he started in me, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) that the good work he started in me is also going to continue and continue with my family as well. Oh, and as as I shared some of this testimony on camp, Nathan shared the story of Elijah as he's waiting for the Lord to appear to him in 1 Kings 19. It says, The Lord said to him, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after that there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. This passage reminded me of the, the limitless ways God has to speak to us. He's come to the Israelites in fires and plagues before and all these other crazy ways, but he chose to come to Elijah in a gentle whisper, and that's how he came to come. That's how he chose to talk to me during camp. 
I had a gentle whisper and I had never experienced his presence in that way before. I've been to camp where miracles occur and God does all these crazy things, but this was the first time I really felt connected to the spirit and with God. I'm so thankful to the leaders for the time and effort they put in to allow us to go to camp and experience God in these ways and that he likes to encounter us. Thank you. Um, my name's Lucy, if you don't know me, and this was my first youth camp and probably my favourite one. When I first decided to go to camp, it was mainly because my friends were going and not, allowed, not, a, not a lot about learning more about God and what he's doing. Um, and, but during worship and prayer sessions um, at, at camp, I wasn't really expecting something like amazing to happen between me and God. I just expected it to be a normal prayer session that I always like go to kind of thing. Um, but when something did happen, it was definitely like a, a big shock. Um, it was during the Wednesday night worship session where, like, it was a response session after, I think, like, we were praying for healing or something. And, um, like, God, like, really spoke to me. It was, yeah, I'd never really felt the weird feeling before. It was, like, I started to feel like I was going to cry. I was like, please don't cry. I really didn't want to cry on that spot. And then I felt like I was turning to stone. Like, God was, like, all that, like, what people were praying for me on that spot was, like, going into me. And then I would, like, turn into jelly, and I just felt, like, a weird, wacky feeling. <laughs> um, and I had, like, I think the first person to pray for me was, like, Lauren, and that really started when she started praying. And I kind of, yeah, felt kind of, like, different. And I thought it was just my tiredness, and I just wanted to go to bed. I just <laughs> I barely got that much sleep. And then Judy came and prayed for me, and that feeling got even, like, worse. Like, God was, like, more speaking to me. And then I think it was, like, Mackenzie or something came and prayed for me. And, yeah, that feeling, like, was definitely there. And then I walked back to my seat and I sat down. I kind of, like, felt a big, like, relief. Like, all that, all that like, fear of just, like, standing there and holding out my hands while people was, like, praying for me. It just, like, washed away and I felt, like, freedom kind of thing. And then, like, sharing at camp my testimony. I was, like, sitting in that seat and then Nathan asked to come up if you wanted to share your testimony. And I was just like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> not ever doing that. But like the more the time passed, I like kind of like God was like speaking to me and like saying, come on, you should like go up and you should share. Like I had something to share. And then Dan was like, started saying how you should just like overcome your fears and you should just like break through what's like stopping you. And so I stood up and I went and I just like everything just rushed out. And then... Yeah, how relieved I felt as I just, like, shared everything. And it was, yeah, very, like, and then coming home, sharing it to my mum. She was very shocked <laughs> at the feel and something I really, like, didn't expect to happen at my very first, like, youth camp. So, yeah. Thanks, Lucy. Abigail. You ready? No. Yes, you are. <laughs> I didn't plan an introduction for this. <laughs> um, you know, I'm brought up to this testimony. It's probably pretty obvious uh, that I'm scared. Uh, and that was kind of the whole point of what God was telling me on camp, uh, is that uh, I've been gripped by fear, which I didn't know. I knew and I didn't know. And I was afraid to start a relationship with him because I was so desperate for what everyone else had. 
And I didn't feel like he was going to give that to me because he had something different from me. But I didn't know what that was. I felt like I couldn't achieve what everyone else had because I'm not them. Uh, and I was, I was going on to camp. I didn't have much to expect because I didn't want to expect much because I was terrified that God wouldn't have much for me and I didn't want to be disappointed. And like, before, before and through the entirety of camp, and I still have it now, I had like pretty bad back pain. Um, and it hasn't gone away. Uh, and Nico, he like went up and he like called for everyone to come get healing. He was like, God wants to heal you. And I was like, yes, but also I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to happen to me. And while, while we were coming up for prayer and I was like, I want healing. I just don't think I'm going to get it. And Gracia came up to me and she was like, what do you like prayer for? And I'm like, my back. And she's like, oh, why do you want to pray for your back? And I was like, so that I could like live in like freedom and enjoy God's life as he wanted me to. Because I was trying very hard to give God a good reason to heal my back. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And Gracia was like, what's holding you back from living your life? And I was like, my back. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess like fear and stuff. So he's like, what's holding you back from being healed? And I was like, fear. And she was like, are you afraid of everyone else? And I said, no, but really I wasn't afraid because I was doing the expectation, right? I was going up because everyone said, come get healing. I was like, I want healing. It was the expectation. So I, I, I thought I wasn't afraid of everyone else. I am afraid of everyone else. But I told, I would, I would have been more afraid if I was sitting down when everyone else was getting healing. So I would have been afraid. But I, I told Gracia, because in the moment I wasn't afraid of everyone else, I was doing the right thing. I told Gracia that I was afraid of myself. Is this right? Yeah, afraid of myself. And it kind of revealed a lot about me. Like, I already knew so it, that I had horrible self-judgment. Uh, and I, like, Gracia was like, you're afraid of yourself. What else? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of afraid of you. <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid of you praying for me because I was expecting disappointment, you know? And I was afraid of asking God for anything in fear of being disappointed. Um, and I'm afraid that this testimony isn't going to be substantial. <laughs> like, like that's a thing. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not doing the testimony right. <laughs> I feel like I, I'm afraid that this testimony isn't going to be what it's meant to be because I'm still struggling. It hasn't, the problem hasn't been fixed and everything's still the same. But people have told me, a lot of people would tell me, like, oh, anytime usually I'd be talking about procrastination. And they're like, well, at least you know you're procrastinating. Realization is step one. And I was like, okay, when's step two? I hated that saying because I was forever stuck at step one. <laughs> and I had no idea that I was stuck at step zero. And God, while I wasn't sure if he really did, he did have something for me at camp. And he brought me to highlight core issues within myself, broken trust and thick walls made out of fear. And they stopped me from living the life that God gave me, not my back. My back's... It wasn't my back, it was fear. My back still hurts, though. <laughs> and as I step into the year, new year, I want to continue this journey with God to break the grip of fear and take risks out of love to really enjoy the life that God's given me 
and to really have the relationship that God wants with me. Uh, let's also get Eva, Nathaniel, Isaiah and Emily to come and line up here and get ready. All right, Hannah. Okay, so um, hi, I'm Hannah and this was my first youth camp. Um, it was a really great experience and I'm so grateful that I chose to go because I heard God speak and felt his love in ways that I never have before. So on the second day, I think it was Wednesday, yeah, um, we had two worship sessions and on the first one I just felt this peace and I knew that for me this camp was about like breaking through and just going for it, not holding back and I told myself you're going to go up the front for every response time and fully engage in the worship and just going to be open for God and I did that and so my testimony kind of starts on the second night. Um, after worship there was a response time and you could go up the front for healing. And I went up. I was like, I don't really know why, but I just stood up there and put my arms out. And God gave me a word, which was healing. And then he said, there are people in this room who are going to get healed on this camp, people who need healing and will receive it. And this, like, this peace, like nothing I felt before just came over me and I knew that God was working on the camp. And he was. And then later on the night, Dan went up and said, I'm going to call out some people by name because, like, God has been speaking to me. And he said my name and he said, one day you're going to write and give truth in my words. And I felt so blessed by that. And I knew God was working to help me do that. Um, also, he said not to shrink back and be afraid. And I felt like that was exactly what God had been showing to me this camp to not hold back and to just go all in for God. And I was think as I was thinking I was I just remembered something I'd heard someone say before about like loving God wholeheartedly or not at all cuz I was around like you can't just go half in you got to give God your all and that's what I felt myself finally do this camp. And then the next morning there was um a chance to share what God had been doing for you on camp and I went up and I shared about how God had spoken to me about healing. I sat back down again and then Dad called me, Dan, sorry, called me back up again. And I was a bit confused. I was like, I, but I have nothing to lose. So I just got up there and he asked anyone who had some kind of back or torso pain to stand up. And I was surprised because like over two thirds of the room stood up and then he told me to pray for them. So I did. And like about two people said they were feeling better and sat down or something. And then I prayed again. This time he said, you need to command healing over them. And this time it was way different. Way more people sat down. Like I prayed again and only a few people still had pain. I felt so blessed to just be able to pray and heal people. And then I, I felt that peace again. I knew God wanted to use me and I felt so Grateful that I came on camp. So, yeah. So, Hannah felt that word of God's going to heal people. And so, we, we got her up and said, okay, you got the word. You pray into it. And uh, I'm not quite sure it was two-thirds, but it was way more than we were expecting. Apparently, the beds are very lumpy. Um, <laughs> but what I want to do right now is just for just a minute... If you would like healing this morning, will you stand up where you are? We're going to get Hannah to pray, right? Because we, 
I, I believe that what goes on at youth camp is sort of the down payment or the, the, the little bit at the front of what God is wanting to release into our community. Okay? So we, we saw people receive a level of healing for their back pain. So we could put it as back pain, but let's just let's go wider. Okay? If you would like to receive healing this morning, would you please stand up so we can pray for you? And when I say we pray, I mean Hannah. Okay, um, dear God, I just pray that you will heal these people. That because um, I know that you can heal them, and that you have the power. And God, I just I just command healing over these people today. That they will feel completely better, and that you will just help them to know that you can heal them. And if you don't heal them today, then there is a reason for it because God, there's a reason for everything you do, and I just, just come on healing over these people. Amen. Thanks, Hannah. If you felt some level of release in in your body, we'd love to know about it. I'll be I'll be dangerous here. Maybe just a little hand go up, and it might be nobody. That's okay. It's not my job to heal you. It's not Hannah's job. We're just acting in faith here. That's that's between that's God's job. But is there anybody anything? Sebastian? Yep. A little bit? Yep. Yep, a little bit at the back. Awesome. A phrase I coached the kids in, which I believe the Holy Spirit gave to me a couple of weeks ago, which was is this I believe I know you can and I believe you will, and so I'm gonna start praying. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can look at his word and see that he's a God who heals. And so I know, I know you can, and I want to believe that you will. And now I pray. So take that with you. Thank you. Have a seat. Thanks, Hannah. Eva. Hi. Um, so on camp, what happened for me was I had some lies about God's love for me come up. I felt like God loved others more than me because they were better Christians. I had prayer. And four things happened that reassured me of God's love and delight in me. The first thing was that in John 17, Jesus prayed for me. He is the creator and king of the world and could have a lot more important or bigger matters on his, than me on his mind, yet he thinks about me and prays for me. The second thing was the verses we had to write out in worship with the word and the morning devotions. They were really encouraging and reminded me of the truth. For example, I didn't have to earn God's love. That was a big thing for me. The third thing was Lauren's teaching. I had all these lies come into my head a few hours before her teaching, and it was on God as a loving father who gladly welcomes us home. She was talking about the parable of the prodigal son. This teaching was a reminder of the father's heart towards me and how he takes delight in me. The last thing I wanted to share was actually something I forgot to share in camp, but it was just that as I was sitting outside after a prayer time, I was watching the trees in the breeze and listening to the birds, and I felt at peace. I thought about how much God cares about his creation and how much joy it brings him, including us. I was at peace and rest in God's love. Later, however, the enemy began attacking me with more lies about how I was overlooked and that people don't see or care. I knew it was a lie, but I was really hurting. I talked to my mum about it, and she was saying how Jesus was God and lived among people for 30 years, and they didn't recognize him. He was humble, and even in his ministry, he was rejected in his own hometown. 
I felt like God understood me and that he was telling me that I was his beloved daughter and that I wasn't overlooked by him and that people cared about me. Today I can say I know he really loves me and cares about me. He has given me so much and has a good plan for my life. Camp was a great time and I hope you are encouraged by my testimony. Thank you. All right. You ready, Nathaniel? All right. Hey, guys. My name is Nathaniel Pratt. And today I'll be talking about my New Life Youth 2023 Youth Camp experience. So, yeah, right up. That's, that's my goal. Anyway, before heading into camp, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have called myself a non-Christian because... I never doubted the existence of God because, like, looking at the evidence, like, his existence is undeniable, basically. Like, that was my mentality. I just, like, I just wasn't bothered, really. Like, that was my problem. In fact, I believe that most people who aren't a Christian are either, like, have either taken an offence into the church of trying to fit in with their culture, whether another religion or atheism, usually just non-Christian, or are purely just unmotivated, which is me. I was unmotivated. So when camp rolled around, I wasn't like fighting going to camp. I wasn't dreading it or nothing. Like camp was just like something I did. Like I went every year. It was just a tradition, I guess. And when I went there, like, it was all right. It was, all, it was camp, I guess. But like I found one problem. There's too much damn worship. Like on one of the days, we had a two-hour set of worship and teaching and stuff. And it was like from four to six, we had a worship set, right? And we went and had dinner at six, had a bit of free time until seven, and they called us back into the hall. I was like, it's been an hour, what are we doing? They're like, oh, we've got another worship set. I was like, we literally, like, what are you wanting four hours of worship within five hours of a day? Like, it was, it was horrible. So as soon as the worship finished, as soon as the worship finished and we uh, started doing the teaching and the response time, I just, out the back, straight to my dorm, went to bed. And then, like, Five minutes later, I got called back in going, damn, want you. So I went back in, you know, sheepishly, head down, sneaked to the back of the room, you know, that old style. And um, anyway, I went in there and like 30 of the 34 people who went were standing up. I was like, what's going on here? And um, is everyone who had parents praying for them? And he called me back going, Nadia, I know you do. So I stood there and it was like, I don't know, I was at the back, so it didn't, I don't know, it was strange. But um, Dan started prophesying over people and praying and like I think he did Hannah first I can't remember and then he pointed at me and was like actually before I say what he prophesied I'm also going to like tell you guys what I was thinking while he was doing this so first thing he did was like Nathaniel and I was like oh no and then um so I, honestly I was kind of excited like I enjoy people telling me about my future because that's usually what product prophesying has anyways he pointed at me and the first thing he said was, I don't know, something about linking me to David in the Bible, about how he's got all these brothers, and when Samuel, I believe, was going around and anointing who would be the next king, all the brothers that were shown, none of them were it. And he was like, you're like David, you're kind of outcasted, but you have an anointing over you. And like, it's kind of a mix of emotions at this point, because like, what do you mean I'm outcasted? <laughs> I, I, I don't feel that way, but... um. I was like, but I've got an anointing, guys, so it's all good. <laughs> and, and then the next thing he said, uh, this part, I'm a bit careful to say this, but he was like, you're going to stand head and shoulders above your brothers. Now, 
<laughs> now, the first thought that's gone through my mind is I need to get on the phone to Isaac and be like, you need to, cha- you need to change your career plans to become like a millionaire. Because if I'm going to stand above you, you need to be pretty damn high up and not like a sparky or something. <laughs> so anyway, and then, and then he kind of ruined it. and was like, you know, I'm going to call it now, Nady. You're going to work full time in a church. And I was like, come on, Dan, we're going so well. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I, he was like, he saw me kind of laugh because it was kind of funny. And um, he's like, have you ever thought that? And I was like, no, nah, it's never crossed my mind. So uh, that was kind of the end of that. And it was, it was nice up till then. And then um, at the end, you know, I, I was sitting on the floor at the back and Dan kind of sat down around two or so metres away. And I was like, oh, I'll go, you know, give Dan a pat on the back. Be like, cheers for praying for me. So I went over and was like, oh, cheers, Dan. And the next thing you know, he pulled me in for a big hug. I was like, oh, thanks, Dan. And then... Um, <laughs> And then he went and sat down on the floor and was like, oh, come sit next to me. I was like, okay, but why, why are we doing this on the floor? Like, there's plenty of chairs around. But anyway, we sat on the floor and we were having a good chat about faith and what was holding me back and stuff. And this is kind of what happened. Like, I was like, I kind of came to the realisation. I was like, Dan, I'm a teenager. I don't have many problems in life. And like, as I was more talking, the only problem I really had was like a bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. And he was like, Nate, when I was up there, there was at one point when I was prophesying for you, and I was just, I wasn't saying anything, I was just pointing at you, and I was like, yes, I remember that, that was pretty strange. Like, you just, just imagine, like, someone was praying for you, and you just stopped, just started pointing at you. Like, it was very, it was a very awkward experience. And he was like, while I was doing that, I was having the exact same thought, like, you had this bitterness and unforgiveness that you needed to release, but uh, I didn't want to say it on stage, because I thought it would be kind of embarrassing. And now I'm saying it in front of all you guys, so... <laughs> You know, anyways, and I was like, but actually, this is kind of crazy. Like, it, how does that work? Like, he had a thought, and I had the exact same thought. I was like, since when does God have access to, like, make me think a certain way? Like, those are my thoughts. Like, what? So it, it was very strange. Anyway, we spent, like, the next two hours, everyone was having a party in the hall, and I was just, me and Dan were having prayer for freedom of that business and stuff in my heart. So anyways, it's pretty much, it's good now. So, you know. I'm on track to being be- being better, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Nathaniel. And that is simultaneously the best part of working with teenagers. Uh, anyway. <laughs> All right, Isaiah. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Isaiah. This is my first camp as a leader. Uh, so I was pretty nervous. Uh, on the first day, I didn't quite know what was expected of me, really, uh, being a, a leader and not a camper. Uh, but, yeah, so my encounter with God happened in that Wednesday set that Nathan was talking about earlier. Um, I was on words at the time, so I got up off the super, super comfy chair uh, and walked forward to join in with the other leaders for praying for which pretty much all the campers had stood up and gone up to the front. Uh, so I stood up to go and join in with praying uh, for them. Uh, I just felt the, an urge to, to kneel, get on my knees and pray, which I don't usually do. I tend to ignore those uh, type of things, but I did. Uh, and just started praying into a word that I had received when we were asked to think or ask Holy Spirit uh, what 
he wanted to do in that space, uh, which was cleansing. Uh, so I prayed into that uh, while I was on my knees. Didn't really feel a whole lot like usual. Um, but as I was sitting there and eventually when I got up and went back to to the seat in the in the corner, uh, I got an image of like a, like a stony heart, like what Nathan had said, uh, just cracking open and being just hammered into uh, by God. And then, yeah, I just remember sitting at that desk at the back and just starting to cry, uh, not being able to stop either. Uh, I honestly couldn't tell you when it started and really when it stopped. Um, it was just a whole lot of tears, a whole lot of emotions, a lot of warmth on the inside. Uh, and then that's when God kind of revealed to me what he was, what he was doing. Uh, he was actually answering prayers that I've been praying for for at least three years, uh, which is pretty much to just really feel his presence uh, and to be able to fully engage with what he's doing in the moment. Uh, and so I was really able to actually feel that after praying for, for so long for it, which is pretty, pretty wild. Uh, we went into the, working through the worship with the word sheet. Uh, yeah, the first John 4, uh, verse 7 to 10. Uh, it was hard to get through that because as I'm reading it, I'm trying not to just cry again. As I'm writing it, I'm trying not to cry again. Uh, but yeah, I, I had actually been able to really take in that verse for the first time ever reading it. Because uh, I've read it before. I've read a bunch of the different translations. My favorite one is the one where it says, for he first loved us. Uh, and I was actually finally able to experience the depth and the fullness of that verse while reading it and writing it and just going, wow, God really does love me no matter what. He's just, he's always there for me always working on me. Uh, yeah, so I guess if, yeah, just if, if you are praying for something, no matter how long you've been praying uh, about it for, and it hasn't happened, I talked to a few campers on camp as well on the last day about it, uh, and it doesn't look like it's happening, just don't give up. Just keep asking, keep praying, uh, because it will happen, and just don't give up. There'll be times when you want to, there'll be times where I've wanted to and where I have given up, uh, but just don't don't do it because the one time when you do give up or you don't go up to that altar call or you don't uh, listen to that urge to go and get someone to pray for you, that could be the time when God's really wanting to just let it let it go and release it into you. And if you don't, you know, go into that, you'll have to wait a little bit longer. <laughs> and it's probably something you don't want to be waiting too long for. Uh, but, yeah, that's just my little bit of encouragement as well. Thanks, Isaiah. One of the things that was encouraging at, at camp was we'd have, we'd have these worship times and teaching times and um, small groups or a ministry time, and then it would be like, okay, you guys can, you can head out and uh, it'll be lunch soon or it'll be dinner in a moment or whatever it was. And there would always be about five or six people just lingering in the presence of God. Un, it wasn't, we, we, did, we always made it clear, you can stay there if you want. But it, was just, it would just sort of be four or five people, and the next session would be sort of a different mix of three or four people just staying in the presence of God after these times and continuing to engage with Him. And that was really encouraging. Ready, Emily?
She's frantically rewriting her notes. All right. Um, I'm just going to apologize because, like, I did try to keep it short, like I really did, but it got a little bit long. But I kind of need to just say the whole thing because... Um, and I'm also sorry to my parents because this is their first time hearing it. And, like, I only figured out what I really wanted to say, like, late last night. So, um, yeah. So this year's camp was definitely my favorite experience. It, this year was like my favorite year in a very long time. It was like, it was, it was a great year. I started year 11 and I got all these things that I've waited a while for and it was just, it was great. And, um, but I was also struggling to find motivation and reason to stay with God. So like I'd connected with him several times this year when things got a little bit rough, but when things got better, it's like I felt I didn't need him. And when things continued to get better and better, I was almost convinced I just didn't need him anymore. And like I knew, I knew that wasn't true, like obviously, but my heart just didn't kind of know that. And, and so like I didn't, I felt like I didn't need his love because I had my own love, which I'll explain later. And I know that sounds really bad, but like I had my own love. I didn't need his. And so, you know, I was talking to Gracia during a worship session and the call was to ask for prayer if you felt like fear was stopping you from fully participating in worship and stuff. And I knew fear wasn't really my problem, but I wasn't sure what it was. So I was talking to Gracia and she was, she quickly pulled out what it was. And so it started with my issue of independence and my lack of ability to rely on anyone. I've always seen this as a strength, like, the idea of relying on people around me just felt really weak and like I absolutely hate feeling weak like I can handle my own stuff on my own and I was handling it great this year like I had it all on all under control and then you know we got further in and we realized the root issue was pride which I've always been aware of but I haven't done anything about because I learned to accept and live with it and I kind of used it as a strength. Like I turned it into something, what I thought was good. So like I let it build an idol in my heart. And so the idol was of myself, but not like me, more the person I thought I was and thought I could be. Um, and yeah, it was a certain version of myself that I worked towards, like constantly. It was my end goal. And the closer I got to this, the harder it was to get back to God. So I placed more importance and trust on this idol of myself rather than on God because not only was this idol someone I thought was the best version of myself, but it was something that protected me and kept me safe, which is something that I feel I've lacked in life. And so once Gracia called it out, I was like, okay, I guess that's it. And then she told me I needed to let it go, and obviously I did, didn't want to. But um, I don't know what it was, but I kind of, I gave it up a lot easier than I thought I would. Like I would have expected myself to just keep holding on to it, but it's like something made me let it go. And so Gracia made me pray through some prayers and, and then she began saying stuff about who I really was underneath who I made myself be. And I, I really didn't like what she was saying. Like <laughs> she was saying things that I... I considered weaknesses, and I hated it. <laughs> like, oh, I refuse to be that kind of person, but apparently that's 
<laughs> and so, yeah, and so I made myself act different to that out of, like, self-preservation. And so I was, you know, wandering around after the session, and I was, like, I was full-on having an identity crisis. I, I didn't know anything. Like, I was so unsure about everything. Like, there were many things I'd accepted about myself and hadn't felt the pressing need to change. Like, I, I turned a lot of my faults into strengths. For example, I know I can be considered, like, a bit standoffish at times, but, like, instead of trying to make myself appear f friendlier, I used it a way as preventing people from getting close. And then when Gracie began saying these things about me that contradicted who I thought I was, I didn't know what to think, and I, I hated it. <laughs> and so, you know, during the later session, there was a call to go to the front, and I went because I, I really just wanted answers. And so I went up there, and my thoughts were, like, going crazy in my head. And I couldn't process them, and it was... I was sort of panicking because I didn't know what was true anymore. And, like, my thoughts got really overwhelming because there was too much to think about. And my heart was, like, physically. It was physically hurting, which, like, a bit of info on that. It usually hurts when I can't let go of things. So, like, my gift is discernment, right? And so from a young age, I'd pick up on, like, things all around me, and often they were, like, they were quite dark. And the older I got, the more I noticed and the heavier my heart got. Because I'd pick up on things around me and I'd, I'd process them, but then I'd hold on to them instead of letting go and, like, giving it to God. So my heart was usually pretty heavy because I'm holding all these random people's burdens and I don't need to be holding on to it, but I just don't know how to let it go. So I've always been aware of my heart, like I can feel it. Like it's... Sometimes it's painful, and sometimes it's barely noticeable, but it's always kind of there. And so standing there, like, my heart was just getting worse and worse. And, like, I, yeah, I was slightly worried it was a medical issue, but, like, I, I don't think it was. <laughs> and so Jen came to pray, and she was like, you got to give the burdens to God. And I didn't even realize I was holding on to stuff. Like, I thought, I thought I was a pretty free person. Like, this year especially, like, you know, I let go of a lot of fear, and I was doing great this year, but, you know, I didn't care all that much about stuff, but apparently I, I wasn't, actually, and so Jen was praying, and then I had this image of, like, this, this glowing fog just, like, creeping towards me and just covering me, and it was, like, so gentle and calm, and instead of panicking and feeling trapped, like, it just, it was so peaceful, it was... It was strange, like, everything went quiet in my head. Like, the heart pain went down. It was still there, but it went down. wasn't even in the room anymore. And, like, my whole body went numb and warm at the same time. And I genuinely thought I was going to fall over, which would have been really embarrassing. And then the fog turned into, like, a figure, just, like, completely covering and hugging me. And, like, a lot of you know I'm not a physical person like I can count on one hand the number of proper hugs I've had the last couple of years and it's just I just don't like it it's not my ugh. it's and I know it's not like very healthy but you know this I just yeah I can't deal with it but this was this was like so comforting I didn't even realize I actually like needed it and so like I realized the space that the idol left in my heart was like being filled up by God and it was like nothing else mattered. So like I understood what they meant about once you experience his love, you can't think about anything else. 
Because, you know, if, if God loves me, I don't have to worry about anything else. I can just let him guide me into being whatever he thinks is the best version of me. And I didn't need to freak out about what I was going to do and who I was anymore because I knew that he would take care of it. And I didn't have to worry about turning into someone I didn't like because that is a genuine worry. Because, like, I, I genuinely like myself, but now, like, suddenly I'm not who I thought I was and I'm terrified I'm going to turn into someone that I hate. And so, like, but if he loves me, it doesn't matter if I like me or not, you know? And so then I was like, oh, I got my answers, right? And so I was sitting and writing it all down, and then I realized that, like, for the first time in years, I wasn't aware of my heart. Like, it was just empty. It was like, yeah, I hadn't, yeah. I I consider myself a pretty calm person, right? But this was a whole other level of calmness. Like, I thought this year I was a calm person, but this was just something complete. Yes, something completely different, and it was it was it was strange, and um yeah. So I thought I'd gotten that peace and stuff from my own idol and like my own independence and stuff, but um no, it wasn't. And so yeah, and like it felt like God was just saying you can rest, which I didn't realize I needed to, but yeah. Anyway, and so this is, I I really don't like this paragraph, but I'm going to say it. So basically, I'd built this like massive house for myself, and it kept me safe, and I was very proud of it, but it wasn't on great foundation, and you know, it was, because it was built on my own pride and ego, and, and it was going to come down at some point, and then it did, and I freaked out, and then he came, and I realized I could like actually rely on him, and oh, this is, and it felt like I started the groundwork for a new house that day, but instead of doing it, but instead of doing it myself, um, I had God there building it with me, and yeah, that sounded, I hate the way that sounded, but it, you know, it, it feels pretty good, like, getting to build a new house with him, not freaking about what I've, what I've lost and all the time I wasted, and like, I'm just not rushing it. Like, you know, Nathan said on camp, ice melts slowly. <laughs> and so, you know, I felt like, I felt like, you know, my heart was icy, and, but I don't have to worry about speeding it up. I can just take my time, you know. And so, yeah, and at the end, Luca gave me this verse, which I thought was pretty good summary, you know, like, thanks, Luca. Um, and the verse was, uh, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So that was Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-five to 27. And you know, yeah, I just, that was encouraging. So, yeah, thanks for listening. I know it was long, but a big part of letting go of my pride is telling you all that. And, like, I, I didn't enjoy it. I, I didn't. And, like, I know I'm going to regret this so bad. Like, last year I did this, and I still regret it. Like, it's, I blocked it out on purpose because of how embarrassing it was. But, yeah, okay, thanks. It's a new house, Emily.
New rules. The, uh, the ice comment. I was commenting on the fact that ice melts slowly. And she articulated that so deliberately because what I said, I smell slowly. It sounds like I smell slowly. And the whole room just looks at me like, what did he just say? Um, I'm going, ice melts slowly, obviously. They're all going, mm-mm. Are you feeling encouraged this morning? We value the next generation here at New Life Church. And you have sown into these young ones. There's been the prayer diary. There's been the praying parents. There's been the sausage sizzle fundraiser that we had. There's been all kinds of work that you as a community, the harvest offering for the youth workers and those things, that you as a community have sown into these young people. And we get them up here with all of their funny quirks so that you can see some of the fruit, so that you can be encouraged in your labors that nobody sees. God sees your giving of your time and your financial resources, and lots of people won't know that. And so we get them up here, and they stand here, and they say things like, I hate being up here, but God has changed my heart, and I need to tell someone. And so my prayer this morning is that you leave encouraged. You feel stirred. You feel hopeful about what God wants to do in you or in your own children. And some of you are parents whose children did not get up and share. That's okay. We had one kid get up and share on the last day and he sat down afterwards and I just went, I'm not sure that was encouraging at all. (laughs) I since found out what they actually meant and it was encouraging, it was good. And it was just simply this, that God was doing things in their heart just in the in the every bit of camp that was going on. It wasn't the flashy moments. It was just like God continuing to draw them, whisper to them, trying to encounter them, and them growing in awareness. You know what? I'll take that. I'll take a teen going, actually, I think God is trying to speak to me. I'm not ready to say yes yet, but I think my ears are being turned on. I'll take it. And I'll bring them back to camp next year, and we'll do it all over again. <laughs> Maybe this time they'll say... I can see the choice I need to make here. I'm not willing to make it yet, but I can see. And then bring them back the next time. And then they're ready. Yeah. So thank you, New Life. Thank you, Nathan and the team. Yes, sorry, I I should have done this at the start. I just would like to honour and recognise Lauren and Gracia, Nico and Liam, Isaiah, Judy, Mackenzie, Jen... Shauna, who's out at Marty, Ryan, yes, I'll just, I'll chill out, I'm going through the list here, I'm, I'm racking my brain, so 12, 12 leaders, including myself and Dan makes 13, so these guys gave up time, they gave up three days this week, plus people like Jen and Lauren and Dan, the time in the weeks in advance, prepping teachings, and people like Shauna doing the hard legwork for me of making phone calls and booking events and putting on an amazing race for these guys to run around and and get sweaty. Um, Yeah, I have a great team. I really appreciate them and the work that they've done for this as well. Yeah, perhaps if the worship team um, could come back up. Um, There's been two things that have stirred very strongly for me this morning as I've been listening to the testimonies and 
I, I need to share them with you. Uh, they do. They, the Lord is looking for a response, and um, I'm not sure how that response should look, to be honest. Uh, but I will share these two things. And before, um, actually, before Nathaniel mentioned anything about what Dan had spoken over him about full-time ministry. The Lord had said to me, sitting there, spoken very clearly to me, to, to say, Julie, you need to stand up and put the call out. That there are young people, young adults, there might be others, but I feel it's for this generation. And that the Lord is calling you, he's actually calling you. Sometimes we say invitation, I suppose a calling is an invitation, but it's like he's putting it to your heart. You see, there are so many other things that call our hearts. And they can look better. It can look like, well, those things are more worthwhile. You'll, you'll, you'll make more money and that'll be good. You know, that'll, that'll be great because then you can, well, then you can give money to God's, God's kingdom, which is awesome. That's fantastic. And don't demean that at all. But there are people that God calls, just like he called out and separated out the Levites. And there are people that he puts that call in your heart and I just want to say to you as young people don't ignore that call no matter how young you are don't ignore that call because it's it's the voice of God and I said Lord what's the scripture he says straight away numbers six he says I'm looking for Nazarites Nazarites now I don't think he's necessarily asking you to shave your hair off because you do that when you're dedicated and then you never cut it, right? <laughs> well, there is this process. You can read about it in number six. You don't cut your hair. You don't touch alcohol. There's a whole bunch of things. But the point of it all is that you're responding to that call to be wholeheartedly dedicated and given over and consecrated, willing to be separated out for the work of service that he nominates for you. And I had in my heart, and it's been in my heart a long time, that this is actually full-time ministry, but it does not exclude when you were, I mean, Daniel, Daniel of Babylon, he was full-time working and he was called into that sphere. But I feel like this is particularly full-time ministry because it's been in my heart for a long time that there's a transition occurring in the earth and actually for the good shepherds it's going to be hard we're going to go through a season we are in a season and it is difficult to be in ministry full time because you're called to speak out truth you're called to call out sin you're called to equip people. You're called to go after people again and again and again and again and never give up and to stand in the presence of the Lord. And so often he only sees, and that is a tough calling, but when it's the call he has for you, it's the only place for you to be. And he's calling this morning. I don't think it matters if you're eight years old, you're 12 years old, you're 15, 17, 19 or 40. But I feel it's for the young people. Everyone's asking you, what are you going to do when you leave school? You're so intelligent. For goodness sakes, choose a career that honours that intelligence. And I'm saying to you, 
If that's what God has for you, you go for it and He'll bless you. But if He's calling your heart to something else, you will never be satisfied. And it will actually, in the end, not reap what He's asking. And so I'm asking you this morning, there's a call. Young people, there's a call. And I actually, I actually feel like some of you have sensed that and different things have pushed it to one side. And there's no pressure here except to hear what the Lord is saying and to pray about it and don't disregard what looks small to you. Or maybe you think you're too small for this. It doesn't matter. When we worship in a minute, you'll be able to come forward just to say, I think that's me. I think that's me. And the other thing that came to me very strongly, and it's interesting how the Lord leads us as a community. And I think Nathan at the front there said something about often what God does in the youth camp is is like is, is like the, 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 the forerunner thing for, for the year. As a staff, October, November, December are months when we plan, we strategize, we present, we, we put our strategic plan together, we, we talk about the things that we think are on God's agenda. And for probably six months, um, Wayne and I have been talking and praying, and, and we, we just sense really strongly this year in fact I wrote there's a bunch of different phrases I wrote in my phone trying to articulate it like it's Christ alone just Jesus Jesus only <laughs> you know I was thinking about t-shirts and you know things like that that these kids wear not that I would necessarily wear that t-shirt but he knows my heart <laughs> and but the particular angle that God has been speaking to us. In fact, when we had our board retreat this year, we we zoomed Len Butner in and he spoke to us and he, he confirmed and we'd been having these conversations. We'd already had a conversation at board level and he came in and he confirmed. Like God is saying, I want to train you in spiritual warfare. I want to give you greater authority, this kind of stuff. And like we've got to. We've got to know our identity. We've got to know our authority. But you see, it takes that wholehearted response to Him. And so this year, this year we're going to be revisiting the themes of discipleship and healing and deliverance, I think with a refreshed look and the issue of generational iniquity that is often overlooked but is so significant and it's all through Scripture. And the issue of idolatry. And those themes came up this morning. And I just want to say what the Lord was saying is there are parents here and they were listening to their story through their children. They were listening and there's others here. You were hearing your own thoughts through the mouths of these young ones. And right there we have generational patterns of iniquity. And God is saying, I'm coming to you as families. I'm coming to you as generational lines to bring freedom. And perhaps he starts with the young people because their hearts just move quicker. I don't know. But I think God's going to move in us.
and he's going to take these things and he's going to bring a blessing. When he said at the start of COVID in 2020, that verse that we had, stand at the crossroads. You're at a crossroads. I want you to look, look and see and you know what? Get back to the ancient paths. Get back to the things that I've shown you. This is my path. This is the way I bring blessing. Forsake the things that had snared you. Even the things, just the unbelief that snares our hearts and the drift that occurs. God's coming with freedom this year. He's coming with freedom to families. He's heard your cry. Yeah, you can... You ought to be clapping and cheering that because that is just a blessing and a wonderful promise. He's coming to whole families and things that have held your whole family. And whether you're the first in your generation to give your life to Christ or you're the third or the fourth, He's coming to cut the cords. He's coming to cut the cords. We've yet to see that in its fullness. And I'm sure it won't reach its fullness. But he's longing to do in a generation that puts their trust in him so much more than we could think or imagine or conceive is possible. He's willing to do it. Yes, he's willing to do it. He's willing to do it. So that's a precursor. Wayne and I'll share more about that in the coming Sundays in January. But he is the God of compassion and mercy. And he blesses, but he also does not leave the guilty unpunished. Yeah, it's true. So as we sing, I don't know what this closing song is, Gracia. Jesus? Good. Jesus is good. We'll sing about Jesus. There's two responses. And look, you can start. You can get in on this now. And parents, you're recognizing in your own children, you're seeing the stuff that you've struggled with but you just haven't spoken that much about it and it's coming to your children but he wants he wants to go backwards and forwards back up the line and down the line because that's what he does he's a generational God and if you sense when I was giving that word about The Nazarite, which simply means a dedication, responding to a call in your heart to be set apart for some kind of ministry. You know what? We need youth leaders. We don't just need youth leaders, can I say. We need people who are going to replace Nathan. Son, I'm not kidding. He needs to be able to build into leaders who will take on the next generation. In the same way that your mum and dad dedicated you and Daniel, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, we did. We're those parents. And we're heading into the 60 twilight zone. And we just, it is a blessing. A blessing. Our work is done, love. Now we can get into the real stuff. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Not a single person here. You don't, failure does not define you. It does not, only if you let it. God is able to redeem and restore. And 
you throw that failure off your back, you throw that regret off you, if you belong to Jesus, there's nothing stopping you. And you deal with the stuff that holds you back. You deal with it. Deal with it in faith and in trust. Just like these kids have shared this morning. Don't hold back. What's the song, Gracia? Jesus, we love you. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Let's stand. Jesus, we love you. Yeah, if you want to come, if you want to come forward. If you want to come forward and make a response to that, something in that, whether you're the parents, you're that young person. Doesn't matter how young you are, I tell you. God sets them apart at a young age. And he wants you to know that. And he wants to see your response today. Even if you don't know what it's going to look like. And when we make that response, I'm telling your parents, you need to let your children go. You need to let Jesus have them. God said that to me. He spoke that to me about my sons when they were teenagers. And you got to let them go. Let them go where Jesus leads them. And support what's going on in their hearts. And if you're a parent this morning and you want to come and affirm that or you want to come and say, God, you're speaking to me as well. Come on, get out of your seat. And come and humble yourself. Come and stand with these young ones. Say, that's me. I'm coming. Jesus, if you're taking my daughter, if you're taking my son, then you better take me as well. Come on. Yeah. Because they're going to need you. They're going to need you. They're going to need you. Come on, let's lift our hearts. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. And as you're worshiping, just begin to pray for these ones who are standing here. Lord Jesus, it's because we love you. And it's because you love us and you love them, Lord, that you're calling them to stand in a generation that needs you. Thank you, Lord. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your Spirit. As we confess our love for you, Lord, it's the only thing we can do. team just begin to move around just come and, come and just lay your hands pray quietly just affirm this by your presence come now don't hold back come on yep come on camp leaders step up i have a board and the overseers Moment, Lord. This is a holy moment. 
Jesus is here. He's consecrating. He's affirming. He's touching hearts. There's a witness He's giving to hearts this morning. Some of you who are responding. One of the the things I sense the Lord is saying is those responding to the, the Nazarite call. One of the markers of the Nazarite call is a is a holiness, is a distinction, and it can often make you feel lonely. And I feel like some of you responding are feeling like I've been feeling lonely. I felt like I'm odd amongst my friends. I feel like I'm isolated for whatever reason. And I just feel like the Lord right now is saying, it's the Nazarite. It's the Nazarite call. It's the call to holiness. So don't run from the loneliness. Run into Jesus in the loneliness.